we're live already, so that's um, that's right. good. And let's just let's just kick into it. I think so. Well, firstly, thanks for jumping on the pod. Um, it's always good when you've got races that are that are willing to come on and you know spend a bit of time talking to us inexperienced folks. So, um, just to begin with, like we'll just give you the floor to introduce yourself, and maybe you want to talk about like your earliest motorsport memories, um, yep. and you know what that was like for you growing up, and kind of how it led you to where you are now. Yeah, um, so basically, probably like 99% of other um, kids out there, I started uh, because my dad started really. Uh, my dad raced for 25 years in Speedway. Um, I followed him everywhere he went to Speedway, mainly Lismore and Grafton. Um, I'm yeah. from Lismore, New South Wales, the place that everyone knows is Aqualand at the moment. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I fo- followed him around, following his footsteps for a while. And um, yeah, mucked around dirt track for my whole childhood. Um, and then yeah, when I was 14, we moved out of go-karts into bitchman racing. And um, yeah, ever since then, sort of just been following the bitchman pathway. Yep. Okay. And and being being from the country, was that a little bit more difficult for you? Like not once you got into the to cut, into the karting, um, but making the jump into into car racing, was that a little bit harder? Just because you're, you know, from out there or, or not really? Yeah, to start racing... Um, well, to start car racing and, and get seat time, obviously you need to do a fair few test days. And yeah. uh, for me, the closest track was Queensland Raceway, which is three hours drive, um, or three and a half hours drive from home. So it's a bit of a, a pain to get up there, um, as well as that having to organise logistics. Because we, uh, in Formula 4, we never owned the car. We sort of, well, we ran for Brett Francis Racing. Um, so Brett owned the car. Uh, it was sort of a arrive and drive deal back then for Ford. So... Yeah, so to organise a whole test day was a lot of work. So I think I'd done two test days before I had my first ever race, uh, which wasn't yep. very many. Uh, sorry, two test days, three test days, sorry, um, before I had my first ever race meeting. So, yeah, I, I wasn't very – I haven't had the opportunity to do a lot of testing uh, throughout my career. Um, mm. You know, so since I've moved to Melbourne, I've, I've done two test days in the Trans Am Series already this year. Um, and before then, you know, I've done one test day in my whole career of TA2 and, and Trans Am racing. So – Really? Yeah, for me, I, I yeah. So a lot, a lot of people think you know I've, I've had a lot of track time because I have recently. Uh, but yeah, before then, you know, I was doing six rounds a year and that was it. Um, especially you know when me and Dad owned a car uh, in 2019. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a lot of work for us to to get there, and and I was still in school. Dad was working full time, and um, you know, between us two, the, there wasn't enough time in a day to really go out there and test. So we struggled to get the car ready in between rounds to to go racing every time. So wow. just just to jump in quickly, how old were you when you started doing um like bitumen racing? So I was, I was fourteen, full and forward. Uh, I done yeah. that for two years. So I done that. Uh, what year was that? I was two thousand seventeen through two thousand eighteen. Yeah. Uh, two thousand nineteen, I started in the in the what's now known as Trans Am racing in TA two series. Yeah. Um, we got to a bit of a, a cross. What do you call it? A crossroad out of Formula Ford. Uh, we wanted to go Super 2 racing, but we just couldn't afford it. So we done a couple of test days. Uh, I done the Aussie driver search with Revolution Race Gear. Uh, they bought me a ticket into that. So that was always, I was good. Um, and then I done the Super 2 test day at Brad Jones Racing at Winton. Um, and yeah, that was sort of where I got my first foot, foot into the door of, of supercars and Super 2 racing. And um, yeah, we just, re- we didn't have enough money to do it really. So I could have done, uh, one year of, of Super 2, uh, but then I would have been done anyway. Break. So yeah. to, to sort of, yeah, yeah, to to risk it all for the biscuit for one year is, is you know, looking back on it, it was, it was a good idea that we didn't go down that pathway um, because, you know, I've managed to build somewhat of a name for myself in, in Trans Am and, and all opportunities and S5000 I've done so far. But, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's a very, I got very lucky as well. Um, just former forward, you know, I sort of, I could have done one more year of that. We weren't too keen on it because um, the four Fords are so set up dependent and very, but when we were in there, you know, there was 30, 30 odd cars in there and there were some big names as well. You know, we had Aaron Cameron, Ojeda, Hunter McElroy, Max Bedow. Um, and, you know, those are the front guys when I was racing. And, um, you know, I was only 14 racing at these guys. We've been in there for three, four years. So, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, we, we didn't really like the, I mean, I liked four Ford. It was awesome fun, but, it was very dependent on your car um, and you had to really, you know, be on top of the game in all, all aspects to get to the front. So we thought it'd be better to go into a tin top and at least car teeth in something uh, different. Um, so that's where the tier two series was, was perfect timing for us to, to hop into that and, and get into that. 
That's probably a good chance to actually introduce you as the 2021, what is it, Turtle Wax Trans Am champion. Yeah. Um, that's a bit of a, a tongue twister, but anyway. So the 2021 champion, obviously over the last couple of years for any anyone that was kind of watching the, uh, you know, Trans Am or the feeder series, um, you're a name that has been popping up over the last couple of years. Um, that's, that's definitely, you know, and you've become very prominent in that regard now as well. Um, but, uh, you know, growing up, obviously your dad raced and you kind of moved very quickly through the categories, but were there any other big, you know, proponents that helped you move through the categories or, you know, what were your kind of inspirations growing up, you know, as a racer, where did you want to get to and, and kind of where are you on that journey now? Was it always supercars and then you're trying to navigate, you know, you know, to that end goal? Yeah, I, I've had a very different upbringing to a lot of um, kids who are racing against or if, who are going through Super 2 and everything like that now. Um, I always wanted to go speedway racing. Uh, my whole life was around speedway. I, I started doing go-karts and obviously go-karts on, on Bitchman. Uh, there was no such thing as speedway karts around my area. That's more of a Victorian um, type series. Um, so yeah, so I mucked around a lot on Bitchman um, and it all sort of started out by chance. We got to Lismore Young Guns in 2016 um, and we had a good weekend there. There was a bloke who wanted to put his son into former forward. Um, so he said to, to me and dad, um, you know, we'll, we'll go halves with you on a test day and, and give both the kids a, a go to former forward. And uh, yeah, we, we nearly went for it. Um, at the end, it, it fell over, it didn't work out. Um, and then uh, Will Brown's old man, Shane, because uh, I grew up with Will, and we raced in G-Force Karting together. Um, Shane gave Dad a call and said, oh, look, um, we're doing Formula Ford right now. I've done it with Brett Francis. Uh, he knows his stuff. You know, he's, he's one of the top guys. Um, so if you, if you want to get Formula Ford, you know, don't do a deal with anyone else. Go with Brett. You know, Brett's one of the, the, the top guys, and, and he doesn't cost an arm and a leg either. He, he really did look after us in that time as well. So, yeah, it was... Um, yeah, basically my whole bitchman career has worked out by coincidence. Um, you know, the TA2 series was doing a lot of racing with Formula Ford. Um, one of my good mates, Dewey Jones, uh, he does a, he'd done the media for Formula Ford at that time and does it for TA2 Muscle Car Series still. Mm. Um, so both series are sort of running together at state series rounds. Um, and Dad just loved them. You know, they, they a big throaty V8. It's what, you know, every Speedway Bogan loves is, is a V8. Um, the four-cylinder Formula Ford's lost out our cool car. At the end of the day, they're only a four-cylinder. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we love the V8s and we, we wanted to go Super 2, but, um, yeah, at the end of the day, we didn't have enough money to do that. So we sort of went straight to TO2 and saw that as a, as a bit of an opportunity to get my name out there. Um, we saw Aaron Seaton just got into the series at the end of 2018. Um, he absolutely smoked everyone. And then yeah. George Medici got into it and started pushing Aaron along. Um, and yeah, we had Andrew Medeke and Ash Jarvis who were also in the series as well. Um, so we just thought, look, we'll, we'll get into it and see. Um, we didn't have a single clue about what to do with our car. Uh, we started with, well, we went to the first round at Sydney with a baseline setup, how the car came out of the factory. And um, I don't think there's a single component left of my current race car now that had that set up in it. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's come a long way since then. Um, but yeah, in the second round, we managed to, to hold off Cito and get a win. Um, and then I met Cameron Fisher from Dream Race Australia and all the, all the Dream Racing guys uh, at the bend of the test day who worked on the Dream Race Australia Trans Am cars. Um, and they, you know, Cam, we're going good with Cam. He saw, you know, we were doing it without having a single clue what we were doing. Um, you know, Dad come from Speedway and, and we didn't have anyone in our corner to help us with Fitchman set up. So Cam sort of came in and gave us a hand with it. And yeah, he got us cracking straight away. We, we nearly clean sweep that weekend at the bend. We blew a dip in the last race. Um, when we'll leave, uh, which is a bit of a shame. That would have been a, a clean sweep and put us in the championship. And then for the rest of the year, you know, we sort of had the same, uh, you know, type of issues. We just kept having mechanical failures. And, and we were, since we were so, um, since we were in the series so early, and then all of a sudden these cars were going from gentleman drivers to getting pushed to the limits. Yeah. Uh, we were sort of the, the test dummies for the mechanical failures and mechanical aspects of the cars. Um, so since, you know, I started, we've got new diffs, new fuel pumps, new clutches. Uh, what else we got? You know, new brakes, new master cylinders in them, um, air boxes. So the cars have come a long, long way since I started in 2019. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, so, you know, I was a bit of a test dummy for that. So for anyone that that um, 
doesn't have a good understanding of Trans Am, how would you describe it to them? Simply. Basically, Trans Am is a um, cost-effective way to go racing. Um, they're space frame chassis, so everything's identical in the cars between Ford Mustang, Chef Camaro, and Dodge Challenger. Um, so you've got three different body shells, same engine underneath, um, and same drivetrain. So every car's got an LS3 with 525 horsepower. Um, the cars are all built by five-star racing bodies. Uh, the, the bodies are all built by five-star racing bodies in the States. Uh, they've all been wind tunnel tested. They're all identical. Um, and yeah, it's a really cost-effective way to go racing. You know, they're $180,000 a pop now for, for a new car with some stairs, um, which is, you know, a bit a bit further up than what it was when we first started. Um, was that 180000 yeah. you said? Yeah, 180000 okay. So they're around, I think when we started, it was around one hundred thirty-five. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so they've, they've obviously gone up in value since then. So is that yeah, from all the extra... 80, com- Sorry, was that from all the extra stuff that they've sort of been adding to them that you were talking about, like the better um, components? Yeah, yes and no. Um, as well as that, you know, the US dollar um, since okay, then as yeah. well. So PBR, like Peter Robinson and, and Cam Sendall, they're very good blokes. You know, I worked for them for uh, seven months, I think. Um, so they're not there to make money out of Sirius, which is why it works. You know, they're there because they love the Sirius and love the cars and, and love seeing it thrive. So when you have blokes who aren't in it for the money and they're just in it because they love the, love the racing, it's, um, it, it, it always works. So, um, yeah, it's one of the best ways to go racing in Australia um, without losing an arm or leg. I remember when I first saw it, I think it was on a, um, it was on a Bathurst weekend, I'm pretty sure it was. Um, or, no, you know what? It was for the Bathurst 12-hour weekend. I think they had an um, ex- exhibition race um, for that weekend. And I was just thinking, like, what the hell are these things? And I went home after that race and I, w- I started deep diving into it like what is trans am like how does this work like are all the cars the same um like i was just i was deep diving into it hard because i thought they, they, they look awesome they sound awesome um and they can and they run so close together and look so um competitive with each other i just wanted to know more about it um and then when i first saw you in it i honestly didn't realize how young you were because most of the guys in it aren't that um young hey, maybe gentlemen yeah, so then yeah, when, I, guys, yeah. when I saw you and I was like, oh, I wonder who this guy is. I wonder what he's done. And I looked you up and I was like, shit, this guy's like 18 years old or something like that. I couldn't believe yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, well, I was, I was 16 when I, I was 15 actually when I first drove one. Um, and I was 16 when I first started racing. So yeah, I was very young. Looking back on it now, it's, I think the rule now is you have to be at least 17 to drive them. Um, but yeah, I was, yeah, looking back on it now, you know, Think about a 16-year-old, like see a 16-year-old walking down the street nowadays and think they're still a kid. Where yeah, back exactly then, you know, right. I, I thought I was more than capable of doing it. So it's, yeah, it is so, swings around about, but yeah. So, so with, with the average, you know, with the price being about 180000 just to, you know, get a car to get into the category, from a financial point of view, to race a season, on average, how much would that cost once you've got the car? I'm not too sure. I'm out of it for too long, I was of funding it um yeah i think yeah they're, they're very cheap cars to run um the main, main cost with racing is sort of the getting the crew there paying the crew um and travel and um accommodation is, is where yeah. the main cost comes from and it quickly adds up so yeah to, to get the cars there and, and accommodation is probably the most dear part of the weekend i think um I don't think I'll be speaking out of school to say it might cost you around 10 grand to, to be really safe uh, per weekend uh, if you own a car and, and own everything. Yeah. Um, and count tyres and, and entries and everything like that. That's not count accommodation or, or stuff like that. That's just, yeah, to, to run the car and, and have a bit of a pocket money to spend on it as well throughout mm-hmm. a weekend. So they are a very cheap car. You know, and to, how, many, to, how many crew would you be taking with you to, to do a weekend? Two, three guys? Yeah, well, with Trans Am, you know, you can run it yourself if you wanted to. They're a, um, a very basic car. Um, yeah. So, whilst are basic, uh, it's getting to that point now where it is so competitive, you need a full team and, and experienced guys to, to be at the front. Um, yeah. You know, I think the top three teams, so I'd say probably is, is War Racing with um, Tim Brook, uh, GRM and, um, and Dream Racing, you know, and, and they've got some of the most experienced guys in Australia working on these cars. You've got Paul Forgy with Tim Brook. Um, Ambrose is obviously working with us in, in GRM, but we've also got Frenchie, which is Dan Frencham, and Tom Needham, which are relative, you know, newcomers to, to the engineering and mechanic world of the sport, but they, they know their stuff. Um, and there's a lot of hours research 
in between each round to get these cars to where they are. Um, as well as that, you know, you had Glenn Seaton before. Um, yeah. He, he had that thing singing. So in qualifying, that car was untouchable. And I was looking at the, the lap times from uh, the Sydney weekend just past the supercars. And, and Aaron Seaton's pole time from last year was a 131.3 or 131.4. I think the slowest supercar time was a 131.3. So it's, it's. Wow. But for the cost of the cars, um, it's absolutely mental the, the pace we can extract out of them. Um, mm. But yeah, they, they are a very difficult car to drive. They're, they're, whilst yes, they are a very nice car, um, they're still only 180 grand for a race car. So there's a few things that aren't very nice in them. A lot of people get in the cars and complain about the brake earring, which is two pretty key aspects. Um, the brakes do get really soft. They boil the, the um, fluid a lot um, because they're only a 13-inch rotor, which is very small. Uh, I think it's supercar one might be uh, 17 or 19 inches. I'm not 100% sure. Um, so when you compare that size difference, you know, the temperature is, is mental. Yeah. Um, on how even the, is the it, trans air producers. Even is it the um, tire compound from the um, Hoosier is a, it's a very, um, well, non-grippy compound as well. They, I've, I've heard them say as well. Is that another reason? Yeah. With so it? basically what, what you do is it's, it's all like a sprint car tire. Um, so you can really, you know, turn it inside out your hands if you wanted to. It's very really? soft. Yeah. Uh, but since it's got such a, and, and generally soft is fast uh, for tires, but it's made out of a bag um, compound. So it's a, it's a cross-thread tire, cross-ply cross tire, um, where, you know, every other racing series around the world is, is on a radial tire, which is, you know, what supercars run. Um, so radial has got a stiffer sidewall um, with a grippier uh, contact patch on the road, um, where the Trans Am tires, their structure is built around the outside of the tire. So the structure is actually in the compound of the tire. Um, so you'll find, you know, the cars, they, they sort of look like they're falling over on themselves a lot. They'll, they'll, when you turn them, they'll lean over on, it, on themselves. And, um, and yeah, they, they take a while before they load up. But once they load up, they got a lot of grip. But as well as that, you know, the tyres, they go to, to mush very quickly. So after, after a race, you could really, you know, pretty much put your hand straight to the tyre if you wanted to. Really? Yeah, and, very, and, very tough tyre. And you only get two sets of uh, race weekend as well? Yeah, so one set for practice. Um, and one set for racing. So I think we get, uh, for the Philip Island round, we get five tyres, five new, and one old tyre. Um, okay. Back in the, in the TA2 days in 2019, it used to be two tyres, uh, uh, six tyres at the start of the year, and two tyres for every round after that, so two new tyres. Okay. So you were really managing tyres back in the day. Mm. Um, but now, you know, we're pushing the cars so hard, tyres just won't last that long. So we've... Um, change the rules um, to, to move on with the series. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's working pretty well. Do you think Do you... that your um, experience in Speedway really helped you, you know, in relation to getting on, getting to groups with these cars, just with how much they move around and how volatile they are? Yeah, 100%. So I, I never really actually, whilst um, you know, I've always grown up with Speedway and watched Speedway and, Mm. and knows Speedway pretty well. I, I never raced it until oh, okay. uh, this year. So this year, GRM, well, Marcus, Gary and Barry came to me and, and put me in a sprint car for, for the season. I think I've done six shows so far. Um, and yeah, so uh, I mean, even just doing those six shows in the sprint car, it's been a, a, a hell of a learning curve and, and mm. driving a Trans Am after driving a sprint car, I've got so much time to react to things. And yeah, and yeah it, it teaches you a lot of throttle control and brake control. Um, it's sort of to drive a speedway car, you use your, your feet. You don't really use your hands very much. Um, and then Bitchman's obviously the other way around. So, mm. yeah, it, it's sort of like playing soccer to train for football in a way. Um, mm. It's two different types of sports, but they sort of merge together and work as one. But for me, I grew up in paddock basher. Um, I always paddock bash my family. Uh, we had three paddock bashers at one stage. We used to race each other in a paddock for a while. Yeah, um, so, yeah we, we, I definitely knew how to control a car that was in a slide. And, and you'll see that with my driving style on Trans Am. It is very sideways. It is mm. very hard in the car. Um, but I've somehow managed to sort of make it work with the tyres. You know, a lot of people complain the tyres go off too easily. Um, but then you watch my, you know, on boards and I'm 90% opposite locks the whole way around. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I've it's noticed different that, to, be honest to with you. make it work. Yeah. And have you raced against Cam Waters yet in, in the Speedway? No. So I've done racing in Tasmania and that's it. Yeah. So my car... Okay. Uh, the laterals I'm driving with are based in Tasmania. So okay. next year, if we get another another crack, that we'll take it up to the mainland and do a few shows up here, um, yep. which we'll probably race against Cam in. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, for, well, for this year, it was, yeah, down in Tasmania. And so I'll, I'm a little bit interested in this. So 
when I was doing a bit of research into the Trans Am, you've got obviously got the Turtle Wax series that we kind of see all the time, but there's the TA2 series as well, which is, I assume, running as well this year. And yeah, from, your, yeah. from your point of view, is having, I mean, I, I know I read there was a bit of a rift between, you know, people worrying that, you know, the formula for the Turtle Wax series might change. And that's kind of why they had the TA2 series as well. But from your point of view, is having two series actually a benefit because you get kind of more race meetings and, you know, more chances to get into the car? Yeah, so it's, it's, it's a weird one. Um, yeah, we, we were sort of, when the split happened, we were in the middle of it. Um, and we were sort of the negotiating party for, for both sides. Mm. Uh, for me to make a career, I had to go to the Trans Am, um, Trans Am category because that was always going to be on TV. Um, yeah. And that was the deal that they got a lot of people into it. And TA2 um, was sort of staying as it was. Um, they'll, they'll slowly build up. But uh, Trans Am sort of came in with a heap of funding behind it and, and took it to a new level uh, straight yeah. away. So... For a young bloke, yeah, we, we had to go Trans Am um, and, and racing that. So, but to answer your question, yeah, with, with the two different categories, it sort of has worked out um, good for, for both parties, I guess you could say. So, TO2 sort of turned into a bit of a, a Super 2 for Trans Am, um, sort of where you can go to cut your teeth uh, in a state series round that's not televised um, before you do hop into, into the Trans Am series on TV. Um, because, yeah, you know, racing such a cutthroat industry, you really got to protect your name and, and yeah. having a TV camera jammed on you 24-7, uh, you know, one mistake and, and you're going to be a strife. You know, you can, you can really name for yourself and build a reputation pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, people seem to forget good times pretty quick. And, um, yeah, when you're in crosshairs, everyone likes pull the trigger. So, it's, um, yeah, you, you got to make sure that you're, you're on your game 24-7. Is the... Um... Are they essentially exactly the same formula in both of those categories? So you can pretty much just plug and play your car in, in both rounds? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So identical cars. So TA2 um, is PBR distribution. So they import the cars. Um, yeah. So all the cars are ran by one rule book. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's no difference between the cars. It's just different racing series. Great. Okay, that's, that's, that's actually pretty good when, when you think about it like that. Um, yeah. So earlier you were talking about initially trying to get into Super 2 and obviously how expensive it is. But obviously, with your exposure now, I don't know how, how much you're funded by Valvoline, but you seem like the new poster boy for Valvoline, which is good in, in S5000 and in, and in Trans Am. Is that something that you're thinking about, you know, moving into again? And kind of have people been talking to you about it? Is it something that is a realistic option for you in the near future? Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to do it. Uh, I definitely, you know, if someone came knocking, you know, come race Tim 2 car, I'll definitely do it. But mm. for me, um, I, I'm, I am quite happy doing what I'm doing. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm doing more racing than anyone in Australia at the moment. Mm. So I think this year alone, I've well, for the last two months, I've been away racing every weekend. So it's been, yeah. um, you know, something pretty cool uh, to do. So, yeah, I'm very happy where I am at the moment. Um, but, you know, if some opportunity did come knocking, I wouldn't say no to it. Um, at the end of the day, for me to get a super license and get supercars, I need to do super two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, to, to get the funding, the extra funding required to do that is something that's going to take a lot of work. Um, and, you know, something that's, you know, yeah, it, it's, it's very bloody hard to do it. And, um, you know, whilst, yes, you know, Valvoline is, is very kind to me. They also are, um, that, that deal was through GRM. Um, so I'm, I'm very careful, you know, to keep that as, as GRM's deal. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not going to go, you know, running away and, and, do something else you know i'm very grm's given me a, a a hell of a shot down here um you know i've moved away from my family i'm, I'm here in melbourne by myself and and just really working at grm and, and seeing what they can you know provide for me and i've got a lot of trust in, in gary and barry to, to leave um somewhere um and yeah whether that's you know overseas or or with supercars i'll just have to wait and see but yeah you know if, if, if something didn't come up and it didn't uh, clash with anything and, and i could do it then yeah 100 mm. percent i'll try and get super two but yeah, for me what, right now, I think, yeah, I'll just keep pressing on what I'm doing. What is the kind of budget that you kind of need to be able to bring in to even consider, you know, a Super 2 drive? Like, what is it? What's that number? It's a lot of money. I probably shouldn't say a number, but it's, um, you know, roughly around that half a million mark, roughly. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a lot of money. Um, you know, I'd much well, rather, um, yeah. you know, if Dad wanted to fund me for a year, I'd much rather say to him, uh, 
you know, put the money in a bank and let's buy a house and, and use that as investment property rather than go racing. Um, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I'm, I'm very... Dave's always been open to me with the finances of it. Um, so I know how much it's cost me to get to here. And yeah, I don't think it'd be very fair to, to do that um, in a way. So yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens. Uh, I'm not mm. writing anything off. Uh, but yep. yeah, look, I'm, I'm, yeah, very, I'm realistic with, um, with everything that's happening. Well, I think GRM has been um, probably one of the most uh, loved uh, motorsport teams in Australia. I think mainly because of, of the way that um, Gary and Barry have come across all these years as being very down to earth guys, especially in the in the supercar paddock. I mean, that's where we we all know them from. But now, with in the last couple of years of them leaving supercars, but then pretty much branching into everything else, um, like sort of doing that whole S five thousand um, like car preparation car preparation like doing all the stuff for s5000 then they've got the tcr um fleet and they've got what is it, three cars in trans am now um like they're and and also a lot of their drivers are young fellas like you've got you you've got um jimmy golding um and aaron cameron as well who we've spoken to as well um how did that whole thing with you getting involved in jrm even come about was that did they approach you did you approach them um like how does that thing happen yeah, well, you just got to be at the right place in the right time um, with most things in life. And for me, I was very lucky. Um, Dad actually met Gary and Barry as a Cummins fun- function in their workshop. The I think it would have been a couple of months after they worked in, moved into their current workshop, which I think was around, oh, I wouldn't have a clue, maybe early 2000s. Okay. Um, so that, that was a long time ago. So Dad met them um, and... They, all, they didn't remember him because at the end of the day, you know, he was just there as a, well, I wasn't even born then. So there's no mention of him going into motorsport at all. Um, but yeah, then later on down the track, um, dad met him again at a, at a Volvo trucks function, I think. Um, and Volvo trucks actually invited me and dad down to Newcastle uh, supercars. I think it was the last ever, yeah, it was actually the last ever supercars race for GRM, uh, which was in 2019. Um, so we went to the corporate box with, with Volvo um and yeah it was, it, was, it was good we were sort of rubbing shoulders with everyone up there and uh, my dad's pretty approachable he's pretty easy along with and and i'm the same but i'm very quiet to, to start off and i think gary and barry sort of like that they don't like someone who goes out there and and you know is a bit of a show pony they, they sort of like the, the quieter people i guess and um yeah you know dad clicked on with with gary and barry and and i clicked on with them as well and uh, we just kept bumping into each other over and over again. Um, COVID was actually probably a, a good one for me. Um, actually, to backtrack a little bit. So Adelaide, when the, when the first split happened between Trans Am and TA2, obviously Gary and Barry knew of us. And, um, they knew that we were involved in, in TA2 racing. Um, they followed me throughout the TA2 program. Um, and, yeah, we, we got talking to them in Adelaide and, and introduced them to everyone they needed to be introduced to in TA2. And, and yeah, so it sort of worked out. We, we kept um, in touch and then COVID happened. Um, we had the eSports series start up and we had a race in Barcelona with, with Oscar Piastri came into it and it was in Formula 3s. Um, and I was the only one who was able to keep up with him. I had one clean race in the whole E-series and, and that was that race. Which was, was that in the TCR uh, cars? No, it was in F3. So okay, it yeah, was yeah. F3 and TCR. Um, okay. Yeah, every single race I had, I got taken out to one and, and just quit. Um, that was the only <laughs> race I reckon I finished for the whole season. And um, yeah, it was just lucky enough that was the one they watched. And um, they gave Dad a call um, and said, look, he can, you know, he's all right in the simulator. Whilst yes, it is only a simulator, it's, you know, it's somewhat realistic. And he goes all right in the, in the Trans Am. So we want to put him in S5000 and see how he goes. And um, we've done that. There was two other kids there um, testing with me. Um, and Jimmy was there. And I remember getting to the end of the day, my, my goal for the whole day was just keep it in one piece and, and not make a mistake. I think in, before the last session, I think I was 1.1 seconds off Jimmy. Um, the other kids were about two seconds off. And then in the last run, I just said, oh, look, I just got to really go for it and, and see. Um, so I, I gave it a red hot crack and I think I got within five tenths of Jimmy. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was a, it was a yeah, it, it was an eye-opening experience because I, I just, yeah, took, took a massive risk and, and it managed to pay off. And, and after that, um, yeah, we sort of got closer with them and, and started seeing them more and more often at the track uh, because they were involved in, in TCR and S5000. And um, yeah, at the end of uh, 
what during 2020 we went to Townsville for the for the Super Sprint Townsville Super Sprint um, with the Trans Am and it was just me and Dad working on the car um, and Frank one of our one of our mates. Um, we didn't put a setup in it. We just we just drove the car how it was, how it came out of the truck and and yeah, just just gave it a crack and um, it was it was loose as it wasn't nice to drive at all, but it was it was fun and it was it was fast. So yeah, we, we got a lot of TV coverage then because we're leaving black strip black, uh, black leaf strips all over the track and. Um, yeah, Gary and Barry, you know, they were, they were talking about doing a wild card um, with, with Everinghams because um, they, they, you know, talked to Gary and Barry about doing one. And, and yeah, as Barry described it to me, he was talking to Gary about it. And I think it was over at Gary's house and they were watching the racing. Um, and then the Townsville Tin Tops came on right when they were talking about it. And they are thinking about who they're going to put in the in the car as a second driver. And um, luckily enough, my car managed to pop up on TV that time. And, um <laughs> Yeah, that's how I got the drive. So uh, September two was when I found out about it, and um, yeah, it was, it was a, a rude awakening. It sort of blew me out of the water. Um, but yeah, that that obviously didn't happen. Um, so then after that, you know, they well, if they didn't, they they felt like they owed me a little bit and for, for the whole ordeal, and and because they you know they're nice people, and and they yeah thought it was pretty unfair how it happened, and and they wanted me to you know obviously not give up, so they they put me in S five thousand and Trans Am and. And help me come aboard them. So it's um yeah, it is a very, very lucky story to be honest. Um, I don't think that's ever going to happen again. Um, I don't think it would happen again. It's, it's just pure luck. Do you, um, sorry, okay. I was just going to say it shows the importance of getting that TV coverage, Jay, eh? because you never know who's looking and when they're looking. Exactly. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, one thing I was um, thinking about today when I knew we were coming on, I was thinking about this whole new stand deal that's come, well, this stand sports deal that's come with um, the whole ARG um, sort of stable. Um, and, like, if you look at sort of the package that they've put together, I mean, they haven't, um, supercars aren't on there and Formula 1 aren't on there and MotoGP isn't on there. But literally everything else um, now is sort of migrating there. Um, and, like, I was I was looking into it, just looking on it today, just sort of watching some stuff. And I and the how would I say it? I feel like now that um, that whole ARG, ARG thing has been moved to Stan Sports, seeing like the um, S five thousands and the Trans Am and even the TCR stuff is like much more in the in the forefront of the way that they market it, whereas it's not behind sort of like um, presented as a like a supercars feeder as it um, was before that? Like, do you have any thoughts about that? Because I think, number one, it's um, with the way that they're sort of marketing it now, like they're definitely putting more emphasis on it, whereas maybe before it was sort of something that you'd watch in between qualifying and practices for supercars. Yeah, basically, um, for me, with the Trans Am series, what I'm seeing, um, I wasn't alive during this time, but when I look back on it, you know, it's like the late 90s of, of Australian Touring Car Championship racing, um, yeah. what was super, before supercars. You know, you've, you've got the element of paid drivers, you've got the element of paid drivers um, in, in the category, and, and it makes a really good show. But, you know, you've got heaps of cars on track at all times. Um, whilst, yes, there's a little bit of politics, there's not as much. Um, it's, it's very much, the ARG stuff is very much um, honest to the roots of motorsport um, in the fact that, you know, you, you go out there and the best driver on the day wins, uh, not, not the best team. Um, which, you know, it's, it's, it's always good if the best team does win because, um, you know, setting up the car is, is definitely a big aspect of this sport that a lot of people nowadays want to see racing and, and want to see, you know, hard racing. Um, and when you do get, you know, the, the Trans Am series, you, you set the car up and you know it's not going to be quick the whole race. Uh, you either set up quick for the start, for the middle, quick for the finish. And, and as a driver, you know, you've only got that, that limited time to, to make a move and, and get to the front. So... When you get into, you know, the, the top tiers, I, I can't say too much. I've never raced um, in supercars, but fr from the outside of looking in, sort of whoever gets the lead at the start is, is generally going to stay there um, unless pit strategy sort of changes it. So mm. they, they've definitely got a, a whole different outlook on racing. Um, it's not a battle of the engineers, it's a battle of the drivers. Um, and, and that's why I like Trans Am. That's what I'm into. And, and TCR, you know, they're, they're little four-cylinder turbo cars. Um, I'll be honest, when I first saw them, they didn't do anything for me, but watching a couple of the races, you know, they get into it and, and they are very, you know, good cars to race in and, and, and to drive as well. Um, and as well, they, you know, they're 5,000. They're just a spectacular car. You know, you, you'll, you'll never remake an S5000. They just, they are what they are. 
Um, they won the day hardest car I've, I've ever driven in Australia. Um, and, you know, I've driven some pretty nice race cars um, in my time. But, yeah, you know, these things are, yeah, they're, they're, they're bloody hard to drive. Um, every time you get out of the car, you take a sigh of relief and, and realise, geez, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Thank Christ. And then, yeah, strap back into it 30 minutes later and, and cheat death again. So, it's, um, yeah, it's a great, great series. And, and ARG's really got a, a, a lot of great categories and ticks all the boxes. So yeah. what is sorry? What is it about the um the S five thousand that makes it so hard to drive? Like, because you were saying how the Trans Am are a hard car to drive in itself. So what what, what brings the S five thousand above that? Is it just the power delivery, or is it um? I'll let you just describe actually. <laughs> yeah. So the um the S five thousands they're they're built to be um obviously one the fastest open wheels and, and based off the old school race cars. Uh, heaps of horsepower, heaps of torque in the engine, a big, fat, heavy engine, you know, Ford Mustang Coyote engine, um, a lot of weight in the back of it as well. So a Trans Am part of um, in, in relation to, you know, to drive it fast, quite easy to drive. You know, you could put, I could put me Nana Pop inside the car and they would be able to drive around the racetrack. Uh, they wouldn't be able to drive it fast, but yeah, they'll be able to drive it. And that's 5,000, you put a random Joe Blows walking down the street inside of it and nine times out of 10, they'll probably end up in the fence on the left-hand side. So they're just, uh, I don't know what it is about them. Um, you know, I remember the first time I drove one, I plucked third gear and the thing just tried to spit me straight into the fence. Um, they're just, uh, they're such a demonic car to drive. You know, they've got a lot of power, um, a lot of weight towards the back as well. So it's a 900 kilo race car. The weight distribution is 30% to the front, 30% to the rear. Uh, I'm fairly sure that's the figures might be a little bit different, but, um, yeah, so a lot of weight at the rear. Um, and the weight doesn't sit right behind the rear. Well, the weight sits, you know, probably three metres behind a driver as well. So when you do feel the car start to slide, it's, it's pretty well already too late to correct it um, with all that weight behind you and, and the speeds they go at. Um, plus, you know, they've, they've got downforce, but they haven't much. Um, and, the, and the wings, they're not very efficient. Um, so you, you have to wind in a lot of wing to get a lot of downforce. But when you wind in a lot of wing, you increase a lot of drag as well. So... We run those things as low as possible with the wings, um, but as soon as you as soon as you wind them down, you got no grip whatsoever. Um, so it's very much a balancing act, and and um, you know around Bathurst, uh, it, was, it was very hard to, to find that happy medium of where the car wanted to go. You know around the top, they were bloody hairy. They just you know twitching all over the place and and wanted to put you in the fence at any moment. But um, going down the straights, you know you, you needed that the extra, the less wing on to to sort of drive away from everyone. So. Mm. Yeah, it was, it's, it's, they're very hard car to set up. You know, you've, you've got very limited on what you can do with setup. Um, but in saying that as well, you know, the setup is very important in the cars and um, it is very important for the driver to, to fine-tune it to themselves because they are such a, a hard car to drive. <clears throat> you need to make sure that you're, you're comfortable in it because um, if you're not comfortable in the cars, then, yeah, you're, you're in a bit of strife. What about the... Um just the um, field of view f- for you coming from like the trans, I mean, it's because like, it's, it's like a much lower car. We got that halo in, in the way as well. Was that a bit of a change for you to get used to? Sorry. Um, no, no. So I've driven open wheels before with four Ford. Um, yeah. Well, of course. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry. I'll just grab water real quick. Yeah, <laughs> Don't <Sorry>. die. <laughs> what up dog? <laughs> Uh, we'll want Harry to do. There's going to be a quick trim at about 40 minutes. Yeah, that's, that's, right. that's easy, man. That's all good. Man. Um, yeah. So yeah, so they're 5,000. Um, they they're a weird car to drive because you sort of you do sit very low. Um, the rear of the cars are very high as well. So when you ask you behind someone in the car, you got this massive rear wing sitting back here on you, um, and you're sort of looking at it like, Jesus, this thing's you know scary. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, are we boring yeah. you to death? <laughs> no, I just played choking on my own spit. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's yeah, they are very um, barbaric of a car to drive, and it, it sort of takes you back to what it would have been like to race in the sixties and seventies. Um, they're they're not a modern day race car where they're built around safety; they're built around being a race car. They sound bloody awesome, but I've got to say, I think if they make um between Trans Am and S five thousand, probably the two best sounding race cars I've heard in a long time. Um, will you be um, driving them when they go to electric engines? <laughs> I don't know if they will. I think, you know, if Gary, if Gary and Barry in charge, especially Gary, uh, everything's going to have a V8 in them. 
Don't be surprised yeah. to see a TCR run around the V8 very soon. <laughs> can, I, can I just ask you about you obviously moving into S5000 as well. How are you finding the competition of that category? Because well, it seems like there's a lot more young charges in the category. And how are you finding that, that whole challenge? Yeah, so S5000, when I did hop into it, that was the most competitive field I've ever raced in, um, yeah. in terms of names. But... At the end of the day, I think, um, <coughs> funny hell, um, for, for Trans Am Racing, you know, we haven't got the big names. We've got really competitive guys. We've got all the guys who haven't had the budget to get anywhere um, mm. in motorsport, but they've got the talent to, to go somewhere as well. So Trans Am is definitely a very underrated field of, of drivers. Um, but back to your question with S5000, you know, we've got a lot of blokes who've been over to Europe, um, didn't quite have the money to make it to the top. Same with supercars, you know, a lot of blokes try to get supercars and have the money. Um, mm. And whilst it's, it's, it doesn't really do the category justice or be a, a, um, a last resort for a lot of drivers, it is, you know, a very deep pool of talent. Um, you know, with, with last year, we had Joe Morrison, Tom Randall, Jimmy Golding, mm. Tim Macro, and, you know, heaps of other names. And for me, coming into that, I was definitely a no-namer. Um, I, was, I was very nervous um, coming into the, into the first round because, you know, well, I don't like to admit it, I was a bit of a fangirl walking up and down the, the pits and, and seeing all these guys. But um, after the first round, you know, I, I knew that I'd just stop fangirling and, and treat them like rivals. And, and yeah, they're, they're very hard guys to race against. Um, Joey, you know, he, he he's driven open wheels all his life. He is probably one of the better open wheel drivers in Australia, um, who's Australian born. Um, and yeah, he, he knows exactly what he can get away with with the open wheel. So he's a bit cheeky to race against. You know, he will give you... Uh, uh, right rear whenever he can but um, you know you, you do quickly learn who you're racing against and, and Joey you know whilst he, he will do that he is a very clean racer as well he, he won't intentionally take you out he just yeah he, he knows how to ruffle your feathers um, but yeah he'll, he'll keep it clean and, and Jimmy as well Jimmy I think his brain's you know left inside the garage sometimes he's, he's absolute nutcase in the car and when we hop in after a race and, and look at data I, I, I can't help but feel disheartened sometimes um, looking at his, his data compared to mine so yeah, it's a it's a different category and, yeah. and different different caliber of driver as well. That's probably a good thing for you as well because I mean you're still very young. You, within the category, you've got some great drivers to race against, but even just within the team, I mean, look at the people that like GRM has. They've got yourself, they've got Cameron, they've got Jimmy Golding. So at the very least, you're still kind of sharpening your blade against some really top quality races. And I mean, you only need to get faster. That's that's just the reality of the situation. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's 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 cool to be well I'm at the Volvo truck function at Newcastle. Um I was a big fan girl moment with Jimmy. Um because he came into the corporate suite to do his little talk. Mm. <clears throat> and um yeah, and, and I was sitting there waiting to get food um as he's as he's done his talk as well. So it was um yeah, it was pretty cool um to to think of him as a as a teammate and, and also a mate away from the track as well. Um he helped me a lot with the off track stuff. Um, with GRM and, and how to take it all in. Um, when I first started working for GRM, I moved in with Jimmy for, I think, four months. Um, so in that four months, you know, I really got to, to learn a different side of Jimmy that, that not many people get to see. And, um, yeah, he, he's a very nice bloke. Um, he's, he's helped me through a lot. And, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's a great um, great team I've, I've surrounded myself with and, and I'm very lucky to, to have an opportunity to do it. How long has Jimmy been with GRM for? He's been with there for quite a while now. Hey, could have been at I least what, been six years. Yeah, I think seven years, I think. Okay. Seven or eight years. So a fair while, yeah. You ever had the luxury of racing a go-kart against Golding and against Cameron? Because they were the fastest in Australia for a time. They were pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. I raced against Aaron um, in 2015 in go-karts. Um, I was what? I was 12 actually when I first raced against him um, and he would have been 15 or 16, I think. And he was a junior to beat. And um, yeah, I still remember that. It was at Todd Road, um, Rotax Pro Tour round one in 2015. I think I qualified eighth by some, well, I think I was practicing around 26th or 25th and qualifying came, I qualified eighth somehow. And, and I was just, you know, surrounded by all these guys who, yeah, whilst I was in rookies, they were racing junior max, which is the category we're in. And, and I was like, holy Jesus, I'm not meant to be here at all. And yeah. I quickly quickly found a dirt. Um, I quickly got pushed into the dirt and, and shuffled back to, to where I belonged. But um, yeah, it, it was it was cool to race against them. I never really got to race against Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy's quite a bit older than me. I think he's, 
he's 26 now, I think. So um, yeah, he's he's um, he's getting up there in our age. But um, yeah, look, he's. Yeah, I mean, we put the KZs out. Got your long go as well together. Um, so I got a KZ go kart as well, and and yeah. he absolutely blitzed me. So he's he's very very quick kart driver and and a yeah. very smooth driver as well. You mentioned well, before about um taking if they came opportunities overseas. Um, I mean, from what you've told us just today, it sounds like that you're willing, like you're willing and happy to try anything. Um, would there be anything in particular that would sort of, um, I don't know, sort of like tw- put a twinkle in your eye? Like, is there something that you're more passionate about than others is, um, in terms of going to try something overseas? Because we've seen a few yeah. like young Aussie drivers head overseas and, and sort of chance their luck. Like, I think the last last one is probably uh, Jackson Evans in the... Um, Porsche Super Cup. Um, so, would there be anything in particular that would sort of get you more excited? Yeah, I, I think I've realised um, last year that you know I'm more I'm definitely a tin top driver. Um, yeah. As much as I want to be an open wheel driver, I'm definitely a tin top driver. So, for me, it has to be something with mechanical grip. Um, yeah. Driving the S5000 last year, towards the end of the year, started to get my head around it. But for me, I, I like to hold myself um, to to a personal level, I guess, of, of being able to get in and, and adapt something pretty quickly. The S5000 has taken me a long, a long time to really get comfortable with, and, and I'm still not comfortable with it. You know, I'm still not driving that to 100%. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping a bit of reserve in there. Um, where the Trans Am, you know, I can throw that around. Um, you know, my first time in two years' time, you know, it'll be a, it's something that comes naturally in Trans Am. So it has to be a, a, a car based basically off the Trans Am, something yep. similar. Um, but yeah, look, I, I at the end of the day, you know, motorsport is a, is a hard world to crack into. You know, there's 7 billion people in this world and, and only a handful of us get to get to be professional race car drivers. So for me, you know, I don't care if I get paid to drive a Hyundai Excel, or I'll still do it. <laughs> That's actually funny that when we spoke to um, Joey Mawson, I think he said the exact opposite thing about like he, um, he came back and was it, he tried Carrera Cups, was it T? Yeah. He, and yeah, he said he, he just, he just could, he said he just could not adapt to the way, um, of driving um, sort of a tin top car over over the Formula Four, so he say the exact opposite. I suppose the um, sort of your careers have come from totally different areas. Like you're very much jump into a tin top at fifteen, so that's sort of what's molded molded you probably more in terms of your professional career. And he's the total opposite. Um, uh, sorry, now I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> I was going to ask if you had any interest. Obviously financial aside but do you have any interest even just as a fan in like NASCAR? yeah yeah i do i, I definitely am interested in that and especially during lockdown you know there's nothing else to watch so i'd, I'd pluck yeah. on NASCAR yeah. every morning and get up early for that and and it did tick a lot of my boxes um and it is definitely something i will think about um but yeah you know i've got to be very realistic in life and and yeah you know it, it's to, to go over to a new country now and, and start racing again, um, I'll have to do just that after start racing again. You know, I have to start from being a no-name. Um, yeah, but as well as that, you know, I've, I've, I've got some pretty good guys in my corner. Um, you know, obviously being with GRM, I've, I've met Marcus. Um, I haven't met Scotty McLaughlin, but I don't, I don't think, you know, in trouble, I reckon I could, you know, probably get in contact with him if I, need, if I needed to. Um, but I've got enough contacts to sort of make a... a uh, go of it over there and Owen Kelly as well who is my teammate this year yeah he's been over there and, and he knows you know Dale, Dale Jr. real well um so yeah I, I could definitely go over there and, and have a crack um but I don't want to burn any bridges over here and and, and I want to make sure you know that um I give I give Australia a red hot crack first you know to, to go to a whole new country and, and start a new life pretty well and, and try and get it in my sport, which, which isn't, which is definitely far from guaranteed. Um, you know, it'd be a, it'd be a big risk to take at the moment. And, and what I'm doing right now is a big enough risk for me. And, and yeah, but you know, again, if, if an opportunity came up, I'd, I'd be on the first plane out of here to, to go have a look. That's good to hear. Mate, that's, um that's been awesome. It's awesome to have a chat with you. Really grateful for your time. And I mean, you speak beyond your years for a young fella. You've got a lot of, um, a lot of experience, wisdom. but you also, yeah, you also have a lot of wisdom and you're very realistic about obviously the financials of the sport. So it's been awesome to talk to you and really grateful just for your time and, and, and kind of just giving us your story. So thanks so much for that, Nathan. And no, best of luck for 2022, me. mate. Yeah, no, awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on the show.
we love asking for the financial because we have no idea about any anything about it. Like we're just armchair, uh, uh, sorry, armchair fans. So um, Ant's always prying on every race I guess how much stuff costs just so we can sort of put it yeah. into perspective. And um, you know, you don't know you are Ant, but you always are. So for you to give us just some answers so that us average Joes sort of know the um, just the commitment it takes to sort of go racing. Um, because Anf does a bit of go-karting and sometimes, and he has very bad luck when he goes go-karting 99% of the time. And he's always, my fault, man. he's always writing these, <laughs> these checks. I'm just like, I'd, I'd love to, not love to know, I'd, it'd be interesting to know sort of like what commitment it takes to sort of do this on a grand scale. So if you sort of just share that with us um, and enlighten us a bit on sort of the commitment that every driver out there is taking is awesome. So thank you very much, new no, champion. No yeah. no, Thanks, mate. Different world. So, oh, good. Roger, and I'd, like to, I'd like to end this by saying I think that your livery on this year's Mustang is top notch. Like last year's was nice, but this year is next level. <laughs> oh, very good. That's, 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 that's what I like to hear. That yeah. sounds good. Thank you very right. much, man. Cheers, buddy. Have right. a great You're night. Cheers, guys. Cheers, buddy. Bye. Cheers. And that's uh that's our last preseason episode for the Racing Line podcast. This weekend we jump straight back into Formula One with the first race uh, at what is it? Qatar? No, not Qatar. Where Bahrain. is it? Bahrain. Bahrain. Racing in Bahrain. So we've just had you know the three days of official preseason testing. There's a few interesting stories about there. So thanks again, guys, for listening. Thanks for your time. Thanks again to Nathan for taking time out to speak to us regular Joes and. Again, with the socials, keep liking, keep sharing. Please keep keep um, spreading the word and hope you all guys have a great night. So thanks a lot. Cheers, Joey. Cheers, fella. Thank you very much, mate. It was a pleasure. <laughs>